This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, Episode 20, Clean Pain versus Dirty Pain. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. Hello, welcome to episode 20, which is awesome because first of all, 20 episodes. And second of all, I just looked and I've had now a thousand and one downloads of my podcast so far, which is exciting. I broke a thousand. So if you guys are liking this podcast, please jump on over to iTunes. If you're not already listening on iTunes, please still rate and review it there. You can go on your computer to iTunes.com. That is what will help this podcast be found by more people and especially people who are struggling with chronic pain or disease and want alternative ways of healing. I do take a lot of time with research and preparing these podcasts for you so that they are representing the most current research and neuroscience, and I definitely want to help as many people as possible with this podcast. So thank you if you've already done that, and if you haven't, please just take a few minutes. I know it is a lot to ask for you for your time, but I really, really appreciate it. Now today we are going to talk about clean pain and dirty pain. So we talk about pain a lot (laughs) on this podcast. Um, We've talked about emotional pain versus physical pain and actually how closely related those are as we're learning through neuroscience. We are learning that many, if not all, of the signals of pain that we feel in chronic pain and disease actually originate from our brain in the form of thoughts and emotions rather than from the body in the form of physical pain. And today we'll talk about the concept of clean pain and dirty pain, and we'll talk about how you can actually make pain a lot worse for yourself and how to recognize when you are doing it. So we're going to start with emotional pain, and we're going to talk about an example that happened to me recently. I've actually had some coaching on it this week, and that's why I chose the topic of clean versus dirty pain, because I was experiencing some of both. Basically, the situation was that my kids are starting to go to their dad's house for visitation, and they were putting up a lot of resistance. They did not want to go. So I was having a really hard time with seeing their pain, seeing them struggle, and I was feeling sad about it, and I was feeling pretty guilty. I was thinking things like they weren't the ones who decided for their parents to get divorced. They were having to do things they didn't want to because of choices that their parents made. Um, This is not fair for them. And I basically concluded that all of this was my fault and I was feeling super guilty and horrible. Now, some of the facts of the situation were that I did file for divorce and the divorce decree says that they have visitation with their dad. So these were things that were, you know, if we talk about the model, they were circumstances. They were facts that were true and they happened in the past and I could not change them. So arguing with reality 
in this case was not going to change the situation, but all of the thoughts that I had in arguing with reality were just really making myself miserable. Now, I did have what I would consider clean pain. So since I love my children and I saw that my children were in pain, I had some sadness wanting to prevent them from having pain, seeing them struggle, seeing them hurt. But then I also had some dirty pain, which was the guilt that I was layering on top of that, blaming myself, feeling like things weren't fair, wishing that I could have prevented the divorce in the first place, wanting to rewrite reality and history. And then because I know about thought work and I know that my feelings are caused from my thoughts, I started feeling even more dirty pain because I was having some guilt about feeling guilty. I knew this because as I was getting coached, I was saying things like, I know I shouldn't waste my time thinking of this. I know I shouldn't have resistance to what is in reality. You know, I teach people all the time, if you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time, as Byron Katie says. So I knew in my head that I shouldn't be feeling this guilt. So I was actually feeling guilty for feeling guilty and just compounding the pain emotionally that I was feeling. And humans do this a lot. We do this a lot. It's sometimes called secondary emotions, where we're mad at ourselves that we are mad at someone else. We shame ourselves for shaming ourselves, or we judge ourselves for judging other people or ourselves. So fun being a human, right? All of these emotions and then layering emotions on top. And especially when, like I said, you start to do thought work and start to be more mindful of your thoughts and emotions, then we can really see that when we're having some pain, we know that we're the ultimate cause of that pain from our thoughts. And we want to just kind of skip that part where we're feeling pain. We want to just jump to some better thoughts where we're not feeling pain anymore. And we kind of feel bad that we're not doing this automatically already. We start feeling a lot more negative emotions by thinking that we should not be feeling negative emotions. But is this really true? Should we never feel negative emotions? We know that that's not true, right? If we only ever felt happy, we wouldn't even know what happy is. And really part of humanity is to feel all of the emotions, grief, sadness, anger, even guilt and shame. Brene Brown, who researches shame, says that the only people who don't feel shame are psychopaths. So as much as we want to be superhuman and just skip over any of the negative emotions, especially when we know the model and know that we can just think differently and feel differently, We know that we need to allow ourselves to sometimes feel negative emotions. Humans as a species have evolved to have an aversion to being uncomfortable. We do not want to have any kind of discomfort. We want to seek pleasure. We want to avoid pain. And especially in our society where we can literally like adjust our shower temperature to within the exact degree that we want, we have this very low tolerance of being uncomfortable. 
But the problem to wanting to avoid all of our negative emotions is that they don't really ever go away just because we seek more pleasure. You know, if we are eating because we think that eating feels a little bit better than feeling sadness or rejection, then there are some consequences to overeating and it doesn't actually take care of those feelings that we're avoiding. Seeking pleasure and avoiding pain may help us survive, but if you're listening to this podcast, you know that living in survival mode is not helping you. And the purpose of life is not merely to survive, but to have the best version of your life that you can, which involves feeling the whole range of emotions. So when we have negative emotions, really what we must first do is acknowledge and process the emotions before we can move on. When we try to move on too quickly, we actually create more emotional pain for ourselves, and that's how we can get stuck in dirty pain. So the trick to processing our emotions is just first to allow that we have them. If you think of the equation pain times resistance equals suffering, what I was doing first in that example is feeling some pain. I felt some sadness when I saw that my kids had some resistance and they were sad. And then my logical mind started thinking of all the reasons that I should feel guilty about it and feel resistance. And so I really multiplied that pain by all of the resistance that I had and caused myself a lot more suffering. The suffering could have really been avoided if I would have just acknowledged that I was feeling some sadness and not had that resistance because pain times zero would be zero. So no resistance would mean I would still have pain but no suffering. It didn't mean that I would have no pain I love my children and I didn't want to be happy about seeing my kids do something that they didn't want to do and that they thought was hard. And I didn't want to feel fine about having the house to myself, ironically, which I thought I was really going to look forward to. I didn't want to feel good about them feeling sad. And that was clean pain. That was out of love for them. Now, clean pain and dirty pain it's not really cut and dry. You can't say that guilt is always a dirty pain. Sadness is always a clean pain. It can be different for different people and in different situations. So you have to judge for yourself if you're having clean pain or dirty pain. But here are three general guidelines which can clue you in to the fact that you're probably having dirty pain. If you are one, resisting reality. So if you're thinking things should be different than reality, then chances are you are having some dirty pain. And as a general hint, if you hear yourself or think to yourself, I should or shouldn't be feeling this, that's a really good sign that you're feeling some dirty pain. I recommend everyone read Loving What Is by Byron Katie, and she has this radical acceptance of reality. And she says that any painful thoughts that we have are because we're thinking things that are in contrast to reality. Another way we cause ourselves dirty pain is by layering negative meaning onto the situation. So making it mean something bad about ourselves, as I did, or bad about someone else, which I didn't tell you about, but I was also doing that with my ex-husband. 
And for sure, when I was having guilt about having guilt, I was really layering on that negative emotion. And the third way we know it's dirty pain is because we believe it means something about the future. So if you can stay in the present moment, you are having clean pain versus dirty pain where you're thinking about the future. What does that mean about the future? Usually it's things like, oh, I always do this. I can never get it right. For me, it was a lot of sadness thinking every time they go to their dads, it's going to be so hard. Why does this have to be so unfair? Generally, clean emotional pain are vibrations in our body that are kind of felt in waves. Like you kind of have a pang of sadness or remorse, and then it dissipates. Where dirty pain is kind of more of a constant, stuck feeling. It's like a heaviness. It, for me, feels like I, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't climb out. My body feels tense. I feel helpless. I feel resistance. I feel hopeless. I feel frustrated. Clean pain also decreases over time. So when you first experience it, it's the strongest. And as you practice allowing it, the pain decreases. With clean pain, I still may be able to get up and do things, kind of getting on with my life, and then I have those pangs maybe of sadness or grief, but I'm able to get on with my life and let those waves of emotion come and go. It's like taking the pain along with you in the car, but not letting it be in the driver's seat. Clean pain is also usually driven by love. Since I love my children and I didn't want to see them hurting, I was having that sadness. But dirty pain is out of negative emotions or fear. I'm to blame. I might have done something wrong. If only my ex had been different so that I didn't have to file for divorce. So know that as humans, the goal isn't to only just ever have clean pain. You're going to have some dirty pain. That's part of humanity. Again, don't shame yourself for having shame. This concept is just to help you identify which negative emotions you want to feel on purpose, which sounds weird, right? We want to feel some of our negative emotions on purpose in order to process them and get unstuck. But if you feel like you're struggling with emotions that you've had for years and decades, then you definitely have some layers of dirty pain there too. Know that you as a human can literally handle any emotion. It's a vibration in your body. So the more you can allow it, the more you can move through it. I may feel sadness again, but it doesn't scare or consume me. So most discussions of clean and dirty pain would end here with the emotional pain. But we know how connected our minds and bodies are I heard of a study where they showed that taking Tylenol can actually ease the emotional pain after a breakup. Crazy, right? And neuroscience teaches us that physical pain can actually be more like an emotion than a sign that something's wrong physically with our body. There is a lot of pain that is created by our brain out of fear as a normal neurological process to keep us from feeling further pain or emotions. To understand this in a simple way, think about our brain and nervous system. We are programmed for survival. 
And as a child, when we are forming our brain and nervous system, we really experience emotions powerfully. Think of a two-year-old that is having a temper tantrum and how dramatic that can be. And think of a child laughing, just those belly laughs that are just so genuine and pure. One of the sweetest sounds I can imagine. We feel those emotions so strongly and our brain and nervous system know that those negative emotions are not fun for us and we want to resist feeling them again. And the programs that we develop for survival include not wanting to feel things like rejection or things like abandonment because that could be dangerous for us, for our very survival. So as our brain forms all of these programs that run in our subconscious, Basically, what better way to ensure our survival than to live in survival mode all of the time, right? If we can form programs around all those painful emotions that we felt as a child and run those programs subconsciously, since our brain is so efficient, then we can make sure we never get into situations where we feel anything horrible or devastating like that again. All we have to do is operate out of fear all of the time and then we'll be more likely to survive, right? The only problem with that is, well, there are two main problems. One, since the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response is built to only be used on a short-term basis, we're never allowing our body to get to rest and repair. That's the parasympathetic nervous system, the part that is responsible for resting and digesting and healing. So just like our phones will run out of power if we don't charge them, and our computers will run slower if we have 30 tabs open, our bodies are not made for this constant heightened arousal of our nervous system. It causes breakdown, and it causes disease in our bodies. We know that the cortisol hormone is highly correlated with inflammation in our bodies when it is released at a high level for an extended period of time, and cortisol is exactly what we release when we're in fight or flight. So chronic fight or flight is one way that our brain causes us pain and disease in our bodies. The other thing that happens is that our brain and nervous system as I said before, wants to avoid feeling these negative emotions. Evolutionarily, our brains really don't even know the difference between the stress hormones that we feel because someone defriended us on Facebook or said our hair looks bad that day and the same hormones that were released to our ancestors when they were fleeing from a tiger or worried about being kicked out of their tribe and having to survive on their own. Our brains and neurological structures are still primitive in this way. So when we are not examining our mind or our thoughts, our brain perceives these threats, you know, in air quotes, these threats in our environment of people not liking us as, as real as us being left to fend for ourselves or die alone. And we want to avoid those feelings at all cost. So literally the brain would rather activate pain through these pain pathways and have us feel physical pain than to have us feel these uncomfortable emotions. Think about it. If we are stuck in bed with back pain or with a migraine, then we're not going to be putting ourselves out there in the world and facing failure or rejection or fear. 
I mean, logically, we know that's not really true because there is a lot of fear involved with physical pain, but that's how our primitive neurological system has developed. Emotions are a bigger threat to our survival than physical pain that our brain can create for us. So this is what we call neurogenic pain. It's the way the brain creates pain signals in our body so that we feel physical pain instead of emotional pain. And interestingly, the pain pathway that's created from the brain to the body is actually very close to where we feel the emotion of rejection. It's kind of ironic the way our bodies work, but understanding it is so important. And it's what allows us to no longer view chronic pain and disease as something that must only be treated physically. Ironically, also, one of the things that we do when we're in pain is to focus a lot on the pain, which just makes these neural pathways stronger. One of the ways we create more physical pain for ourselves by our emotions. This is all stuff that I've talked about in my podcasts before, but I think it's important to keep repeating because it's so important to understand that not all of the physical pain we feel in our body is coming from our body, and it's not a sign that we have to fix our body or take medicine or have surgery on our body or treat our body in any kind of physical way to cure it. Now, how does clean pain and dirty pain relate to the physical type of pain that you feel? I think of clean pain when I think of the pain that I get from working out. So if I kind of overdo it or I have a a really hard workout, I might have some muscle soreness. But for me, that is clean pain. It's the pain that's part of life. It's pain from challenging myself or growing. And for me, when I feel that muscle pain, that muscle soreness after working out, I really don't make it mean anything. In fact, I make it mean that I had a good workout, but I don't make it mean anything super negative or fearful or horrible. I'm not resisting that I have that pain. I'm not blaming myself for doing it wrong. And I'm not worried that the pain will last forever. I trust that it'll go away in a few days like it always does, and I don't stress out about it. If I sprained an ankle or broke a bone, I would probably have some clean pain. Pain just as a result of the injury that I know will go away if I give myself some time to rest and repair. And I don't make it mean that I'm going to have pain necessarily forever from it. But when... When we're talking about pain from chronic pain and disease, I would say a large majority of it is dirty pain. Just like if you're stuck in negative emotions for years, you probably have some dirty emotional pain. If you are in physical pain for years, it is likely dirty physical pain. So we know that under proper conditions, when we allow our body to rest and repair, our bodies will tend to heal. That's what our bodies want to do. Even a broken bone, something that severe, will heal in six to eight weeks. We also know from MRI studies of healthy people, people that are not feeling pain, that they can be walking around with ruptured discs, arthritis in their knees, degeneration of their spine, torn rotator cuffs, torn meniscus, 
and suffer no pain. So we know that there's no direct correlation with structural abnormalities that occur with aging, normal things that happen to our body, and the perception of pain that we feel. But we're not taught this. We are taught to fear when we have pain, which of course now we know actually makes our pain worse. But especially even as a physical therapist, I mean, I would tell patients all of the time to listen to their pain and if they have an increase in pain that they should stop. But the more we actually focus on trying to notice anytime we have pain, the stronger those neural pathways that create pain in our body become. So how do we know if we're having physical pain that's dirty pain versus clean pain? Well, I would use the same guidelines that we do for emotions. Remember the one, two, and three? One was resisting reality, thinking things should be different. I see this happen a lot with people who have started to learn about how their thoughts and emotions relate to their physical pain, and they can actually start to feel better quite quickly, but inevitably have some kind of relapse because this journey is not a straight one where you always just feel better and better and better because life happens, right? You get emotional, you get fear, things happen in your life, and you might get some flare-ups, or you might even have a new pain in a new area. And just pain in general is part of humanity. I don't think we'll ever be free of pain until we die. That's not the goal. So if you are feeling better and then have an increase in your physical pain, you might think that you've done something wrong. Or what I see a lot too is people that you know, have started to really work on all these things. They're working so hard and they get some pain and they think, man, I know so much. I shouldn't have pain now. In fact, this happens to me, especially since I've been studying this stuff so much lately. When I have any new kind of pain, at first, my first reaction is like, this, this shouldn't be happening to me. I feel like I'm working on all my stuff. I don't know how I could be working any harder on it. Why do I still have this pain? But that alone, that thought should clue me in that that's some dirty pain. I'm adding more physical pain to what is already going on because of my denial of reality. Number two was layering negative meaning onto the situation. So feeling bad about ourselves or blaming someone else. How this relates to physical pain, I think, is often we jump to the conclusion that we have done something serious. We have injured our body. We have damaged our body. But remember how resilient our bodies really are. Even things like rotator cuff tears don't necessarily cause us pain. The more we can calm our nervous system when we feel pain by getting out of this fear and into the emotions of rest and repair, the quicker we can heal. Number three, believing it means something about the future. This one is so common. When you have pain, Try and really monitor, be mindful about how many times when you feel the pain that you're thinking about something in the future. When is this going to end? Am I always going to have this? Am I going to be able to go on my trip next week? Am I going to be able to give my presentation even though I have this migraine? Am I going to be able to hold my child this weekend while my husband is at work? Am I going to have a messy house because I'm not going to be able to clean it? They call this pain catastrophizing. And it's one of the things that we naturally do and that increases the strength of that pain pathway from our brain to our body. 
So the best advice I can give you now is when you have a flare up or when you notice any kind of new pain, try to think of it as cleanly and unemotionally as possible. I know this is contrary to what we want to do, myself included, but try as much as possible to be bored with the pain, be apathetic. Look at it as a sign to check in physically and emotionally and try to get your nervous system into a calmer emotional state of rest and repair, but try not to add a lot of the dirty physical pain on top of it. Don't add resistance. Try not to layer any negative meaning on top of it or believing that it's going to affect your future. Sometimes when you're thinking thoughts, you could even try to label them as future or past. If I'm thinking, I don't know when this will ever go away, that's future. If I'm thinking, this pain feels just as bad as it did when it started, that's past. Be mindful of and try to describe as neutrally as possible what you're actually physically feeling in your body. Try not to use things like, oh, I feel that arthritis. That really is not even possible. You don't feel arthritis. You might feel some discomfort or what's even better if you can get yourself to think this way is to think something like, I don't feel as comfortable as I would like right now. So it's a little brain trick. By saying the word comfortable, you're focusing on the word comfortable instead of uncomfortable or pain or anything more severe like a disc rupture or something. Remember the pain catastrophizing when we use these loaded words, when we talk about our pain more often and think about it frequently, that's going to actually make our pain signals worse. And do you remember how we talked about how our brain and nervous system feel like emotions can be threatening to our survival? If you are feeling physical pain, then please listen to my last episode about pen vent and do some journaling about the emotions you're feeling. Let your feelings out on paper and rage on the page. The unfelt emotions can really translate to more physical pain. If you've had chronic pain or disease for years, you already know what doesn't work. You cannot keep doing the same things for your pain and expect a different result. Our brains and our bodies are complex and we cannot treat our physical pain through physical means alone. If you'd like more information about techniques to help you calm your nervous system and decrease the signals of pain created by your brain, or if you would like to try a free mini session of coaching to see if you might be a good fit for this body and mind healing approach, then email me at info at bodyandmindlifecoach.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.